0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehéyes Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight...
2: I love this country. I love South Africa. I'm a patriot. I'm passionate about it. I spent 31 years overseas, came back six, seven years ago, And my New Zealand wife and I have decided we're not leaving. We're going to stay and help fix this country.
1: That's Rob Hershoff, investment banking magnate, heartbroken over system failures and graft scandals in South Africa. Details coming up also. The Africa CDC says monkeypox vaccines will arrive in Africa within two weeks. And Ethiopia's Orthodox Christian Church says a crisis involving a group of rebel archbishops who created their own synod has been resolved. We'll have these stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story in South Africa. Questions about President Cyril Ramaphosa's ability to lead the country out of multiple crises are intensifying. Critics say more than five years into Ramaphosa's stewardship, South Africa is still very far away from solving its numerous problems, including corruption, high unemployment and crumbling infrastructure. But as Darren Taylor reports, one business leader says he is creating a voter education program
3: to increase election participation and drive change. One of Africa's richest individuals, investment banking magnate Rob Hershov, recently broke ranks with his country's business community to begin criticizing Ramaphosa publicly. Hersob even joined a rally outside ANC headquarters in central Johannesburg recently.
2: And I'm telling you, I'm standing here today because I'm not afraid of those criminals in Latuli House yes. Yes, who have stolen your future. Yes. All South Africans, stand together and rid this country of the biggest disgrace on the African continent. ANC in Latuli House, put dirt.
3: Futsek is a strong colloquial word meaning go away. Ramaphosa has strengthened law enforcement agencies to investigate allegedly corrupt ANC officials, but graft scandals continue to afflict the ANC, with Ramaphosa himself embroiled in one. Hersov says he's heartbroken by what the party's doing to his homeland, with services in cities and towns crumbling. Hersov believes criticism of Ramaphosa and the ANC is useful only when it's backed by action and solutions. So, he says, he'll be doing his best leading into elections next year to convince people to vote according to what they see in front of them.
2: I think the next phase of my life is to focus on helping South Africans by saying and doing what other South Africans can't afford to say
3: and do. Hersov says exercising democratic rights is the only path to ridding the country of the ANC. Instead of just talking and hoping for the best, says Hersov, he'll be funding campaigns to minimize apathy around the polls. Successive elections in South Africa have resulted in record-low voter turnouts. Hersov's convinced the ANC's panicking ahead of the 2024 elections because its corruption is obvious And it's the party that destroyed national power regulator, ESCOM. This infrastructure meltdown means ESCOM is forced to ration electricity, which leaves South Africa in the dark for long periods.
2: So what the ANC government's trying to do is say, we must all get together to fix load shedding. They created load shedding. Zuma has the reputation of being the most corrupt, useless president we've ever had but Cyril will be the president that let the lights go out in this country.
3: Ramaphosa spokesperson Vincent Maguena insists the president will prove his critics wrong. He says Ramaphosa will end the electricity crisis by investing in renewable energy and has already begun reconstructing poorly managed ANC-run municipalities. Maguena says the president's job creation strategies will soon create employment for 2 million young people. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
1: The United Nations Global Fund for Education in Emergencies with the title Education Cannot Wait is seeking $1.5 billion to provide educational support for 20 million of the world's most vulnerable children over the next four years. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva.
4: Education Cannot Wait, or ECW, reports 222 million children and adolescents are missing out on an education because of conflict, climate change, displacement, and other crises. It says more than 78 million are out of school altogether, noting that 84% of these children are living in just 10 protracted crises. Eight are in Africa. The UN agency works in dozens of countries on five continents. Education cannot wait. Director Yasmin Sharif tells VOA the largest proportion of its budget goes to sub-Saharan Africa. When it comes to education,
5: 90 90, 90 percent of children and adolescents in sub-Saharan Africa cannot read a simple sentence. We are dealing with challenges of this kind as i mentioned horn of africa we have the tigray situation in ethiopia the Democratic Republic of Congo.
4: Sharif spoke on the sidelines of the ECW's annual two-day conference, which began Thursday in Geneva. She says ECW has provided education to 3.5 million children and adolescents in these and other countries in sub-Saharan Africa.
5: Our multi-year investments... Uh, are um, designed to provide a holistic, inclusive, continued quality education, meaning uh, infrastructure, school feeding, uh, empowerment and training of teachers, uh, protection, um, water and sanitation. It's the whole spectrum. of of components that are required to ensure proper learning outcomes.
4: She says girls' education often lags behind that of boys because of discrimination, gender-based violence, and other obstacles. To overcome the barriers facing them, she says every investment ECW makes in education must include at least 60%
5: girls. We also make sure that the curriculum and the teachers uh, are are gender-sensitized so that you give uh, girls the power to speak up in the classroom, that they are attentive to the treatment of girls, uh, so that we can shape a new generation of, of, of girls' leaders.
4: Sharif says investing in education is the best way to end poverty and to achieve gender equality, as well as peace and security. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
1: Ethiopia's Orthodox Christian Church says a crisis involving a group of rebel archbishops who created their own synod has been resolved. The French news agency AFP says the three who had set up a rival body in the Oromoya region have apologized after face-to-face discussions. The move has led to protests by supporters and opponents of the Church in recent weeks, in which at least 30 people were killed. The men who were excommunicated last month will be reinstated. According to the new service, the announcement follows a meeting yesterday brokered by Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, who also comes from the Oromo community. The breakaway bishops had accused the Church of discrimination and cultural hegemony, saying, Followers in Oromaya are not served in their native language, a claim denied by church leaders. A statement by the church yesterday said it will provide resources and expand services in Oromo in the region and other areas of southern Ethiopia. Nigeria's President Mohamedou Buhari has again extended a deadline for old currency notes to remain legal tender following violent protests over a shortage of cash. In a nationally televised address early today, Buhari said the 200 naira note would be allowed back into circulation until April 10th, but higher-value old notes would not. Buhari maintained that the introduction of the new currency will strengthen the economy, fight insecurity, and stifle illicit financial flaws, and money laundering. Nigeria's central bank introduced a new currency late last year, but only gave citizens a few weeks to exchange old bills for the new, sparking out outrage. On Wednesday, protests over the cash squeeze hit four Nigerian states, including Edo, Kuwara, Delta, and Ibadan. In the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, the M23 rebels have been fighting government forces for several days. Reporter Jafar Al-Katanti is in the eastern city of Goma and has been following the fighting. He spoke with my colleague Kate pond a short time ago and says the fighting comes as the government starts preparations for elections in December.
0: fighting uh, are now located in Masisi territory in west of the city of goma in the beginning of this week rebels was around 30 kilometers west northwest of goma but now uh the frdc are pushing them and now fighting at this moment frdc has controlled kingi and fighting are around 40 45 kilometers northwest of goma and this created another group of many idps in you know uh, during the first period of the war idps was in north of goma kanyaruchinya and nyaragongo territory but now even in neighborhoods on the other side of goma in west we now found many idps coming from sake from Kichanga and other cities in Masisi territory.
4: Do we know anything about the number of casualties from this latest fighting, either among the, the soldiers or the rebels, or even among uh, the, the residents of the area?
0: Uh, there is not enough information uh, on that, since, you know, uh, rebels are not communicated as well, and also FRDC. Uh, both of them are keeping secret uh, the the operation. But when talking about civilian, also the cyber society has not records as people are flying in many directions. So even the government of DRC cannot give the real number of casualties.
4: Now, this fighting comes as the DRC government has begun registering voters for this year's elections. The registration has begun in, in North Kivu and Ituri and other areas where there's been a lot of violence. How is the registration process going?
0: Uh, this is a big challenge of the Congolese government. Now, today they launched the process, the electoral process, by uh, registering locals for the election. But the question is still how uh, do they plan to organize election when North Kivu and Ituri has many areas under rebel controls? And here we are talking about ADF, who control a large part of North Kivu and Ituri, and then M23, which control uh, Masisi, Ruchuru, and Nyaragongo. Even when talking about it with uh, IDPs, people from those territories under rebel control, they are asking themselves why the government of DRC chose election than fighting or uh, bringing peace in their zone and then talked about election.
1: That was journalist Jafar Akatanti speaking via WhatsApp with VOA's Kate Pound Dawson. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Tunisian rights group claim the government is cracking down on migrants from sub-Saharan Africa and allowing hate speech against them on social media. A statement by 23 rights groups called the Tunisian Forum for Economic and Social Rights says more than 300 migrants have been arrested and put on trial in recent days. The French news agency, AFP, says they say some were arrested after simple identity checks or after attending court hearings to support relatives. They also say the government is ignoring the rise of hateful and racist speech on the Internet and some media outlets. And they say European migration Policies are turning Tunisia into key participant in monitoring migration routes in the Mediterranean and returning them to Tunisia. The human rights groups say the government must strive against hate speech, discrimination and racism and intervene to guarantee the dignity and rights of migrants. Experts say the U.S. has raised its level of involvement in Libya in recent weeks. The most prominent manifestations of this interest include recent visits by CIA Director William Burns and other high-ranking security officials. Ambassador David Mack, former Deputy Assistant, Secretary of State and a Senior Fellow at the Atlantic Council, explained to VOA Senior Analyst Mohamed Al shinawi the growing American interest in the Libyan crisis.
2: Well, in the larger strategic assessments of the United States, Libya is more important to our Western European allies than it is to the United States. It's obviously more important to Tunisia and Algeria and Egypt than it is to us. But we are trying to play a supportive role for their interests Why? Because with the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Russian ability to cut off oil and gas supplies for Western Europe is a weapon that they've been using to try to undermine the NATO unity in support of Ukraine's own defensive efforts. And if you think about it, one of the big ways that we can help support our Western European allies is if we can have a political and economic stability in North Africa, because the amount of oil that Libya is now producing is about half of its capacity in the near term, and maybe a third of its capacity in the long term. So it could ramp up its Oil production rather quickly. It could also have a second gas pipeline to Italy, which would enable Italy to be more independent of Russian pressures. And if you put Moroccan phosphates together with increased gas supplies and gas production from Algeria and Libya, you could also enable the world to become less dependent upon fertilizer coming from Russia, which is another way in which the Russians have tried to create pressures in Africa and in the Middle East, create pressures by constraining the amount of both agricultural products and fertilizer that goes into the world markets.
1: The U.S. and the U.N. have been encouraging Libyan rivals
2: to work together to hold elections this year. Is that feasible? Yes, I believe it is. But it's not something that can be done from outside. Basically, we can try to make sure that our allies, including uh, partners in the Arab world, like Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Egypt are supporting elections. I'm quite sure that the Algerians want to see the elections proceed and the Tunisians want to see the elections proceed. So I think it is quite feasible if the Libyan parties will come to some agreement on how to set up a constitutional process for elections. And certainly the United Nations will be instrumental in making those elections happen and in providing election monitors to assure that they are credible.
1: That was David Mack, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State and a Senior Fellow at the Atlantic Council, speaking with VOA's Mohamed Al Shanawi. The month of February in the United States is Black History Month. Linda Reed, associate professor of history and an award-winning African-American author and editor at the University of Houston, says, It is a time to celebrate, to honor, and learn. In learning, she tells me, people will find out the vast contribution black people have made in the building of the United States.
6: Uh, The origin of the Black History Month started from, at first, what was begun as a Black History Week in February 1926, when Carter G. Woodson wanted to recognize a time set aside to emphasize achievements and contributions of African Americans to American history. And so he started with the week and the month of February was selected because this month included the birthdays for Abraham Lincoln, as well as as best as people could remember or wanted to record the birth also for Frederick Douglass, a great 19th century abolitionist and intellectual.
1: So why is it important that everyone learns about and celebrates black history?
6: Well, it's really important because we have been a very significant part of every aspect of American life. Everything that you can think about culturally, uh, intellectually, physically, you know, we have been present. We have been there. We have contributed. Another way to say it is that we uh, people from Africa in America have contributed with our blood, sweat and tears. So the era of
1: uh, slavery and the civil rights movement, that kind of stands out when people actually focus on Black history?
6: Yes, it stands out because it's just quite substantial that a group of people who had been so severely oppressed would be able to make such significant strides in all aspects of American life a month is not enough time every day we need to emphasize the importance of these people who were forcefully brought from Africa who assimilated against all odds and also excelled in a climate when the obstacles were very large Dr Dr so. Reed you mentioned uh... Frederick Douglass. Another great figure is Harriet Tubman, who sacrificed herself. Basically, she escaped, but then took the risk of going back several times to bring other people into freedom. She worked with the Union Army as a spy during the Civil War and lived until 1913. So she contributed to the progressive era. And then you come on up, uh, you know, there's a great school that is in Florida, Bethune-Cookman College, Mary McLeod Bethune, as a great educator. It's a long, long list, but at least I'll mention those uh, persons.
1: Great. Now that you've mentioned that, how about Black Figures Currently?
6: He is an elder statesman now, but of course we remember Jesse Jackson with the organization of PUSH jackson ran for president in the 1980s just raised the awareness so greatly for the world to know more about uh african americans and politics and so many other areas of life even at the grassroots level all of the folk who support black lives matter like the brother of uh george floyd we have contributed in every walk of life and of course you can't forget the music uh Beyoncé Knowles just received, within the last couple of weeks, a series of Grammy Awards so that historically, as an African-American woman, she has amassed the largest number of Grammy Awards in American history. You know, we have to uh, consider that the first African-American president of the United States was none other than former President Barack Obama who had connections directly with Africa in terms of his Kenyan father.
1: That was Linda Reed, associate professor of history and an award-winning African-American author and editor. She talked to me from the University of Houston in Texas. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehelys Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokvilia Baro, and our engineer, Adrius Regas, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.
4: Hello. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Ah! Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturday.